0: What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to this March 30th edition of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. After two weeks, we are back. I went to Denver. It was beautiful. Abe's going to Denver soon. Um, We've got a lot of stuff to catch up on. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be. It could be outrageously long. Um, So let's just dive into it. First of all, I want to talk about the state of the standings right now. Uh, It's not looking good for the old Hawks. Um, the Hawks currently have 78 points in 77 games, which is literally one point above 500. Colorado currently holds the second wildcard spot with 85 points in 78 games. So we do have a game in hand over them, but, uh, we are seven points behind them with what, uh, five games to play. So for us to catch Colorado and overtake them for that second wildcard spot, we would need, let's see. We have to win every game. We need to win, like, we need to win. I think at least four of those games, or we need to go like three0 and one, and then Colorado would have to lose out. Mm-hmm. Or we'd have to win them all, and Colorado could only win like one of their remaining, what, four games? Four. Yeah. So, um, the the season's basically over. Uh, we're not mathematically eliminated yet, but that's that's probably going to do it for the All-Hawks. Uh, the good news is that we do get to play the lottery this year. The bad news is that we're probably going to be one of the best teams playing the lottery. Uh, actually, let me look at the standings. I want to see where we are in the grand scheme of things. Blackhawks are currently 22nd in the league, which gives us the, what, seventh? ninth best odds of... Uh, Getting that first overall pick. Yikes. Uh, I'm going to check Tankathon, actually. Um, See what our odds are of getting that first overall pick right now. 3.5% of getting the first overall pick. 11.4% of landing in the top three. Oh, it's not looking good. No, no. Um, And the Hawks beat the Sharks the other night. um, Which, uh... Which didn't really help the uh, the whole tanking effort. Uh, not that there's an effort in place. The, ho- the you know the players aren't going to tank, but the coach isn't going to tank. Uh, maybe Bowman would tank, but <clears throat> uh, Edmonton's right behind us with seventy seven points. Vancouver's right behind us with seventy six. Vancouver actually just got mathematically eliminated from playoff contention uh, today or yesterday. I forget. Um, <clears throat> it'd have to be yesterday. I don't think any games have been played today. Um uh Anaheim's back there with seventy-four. It's maybe possible that we could fall as many as like two spots. I could see us maybe falling two spots. Mm-hmm. Um which would give us going back to Tankathon. It would give us a six percent chance of getting the first overall pick and a nineteen percent chance of landing in the top three. But um yeah, so uh, with, with the Hawks sitting at the, I guess, the 10th worst record, then uh, it's, it's really more likely that, uh, I think the most likely scenario is that we draft either 10th or 11th. Um, that was my nightmare scenario pretty
1: much earlier in the season. That we're too bad to be a playoff team, but we're too good to not be a lottery team.
0: Yeah, uh, I, let's see, I, uh, I, I did some, uh, I did some fact-checking recently, and, um, since December 18th, I think it was December 18th, the Hawks have played at a, like a 100-point clip, so had, had the Hawks, had Jeremy Colleton gotten, uh, you know, a, a, a summer, a training camp, And a preseason to implement his new system. And, uh, you know, maybe you you blame some of those early losses on uh, not having, you know, like Schmaltz slumping and not having Stroman Perlini and not having Kajula and having Manning and Ruta, guys like that. But if the Hawks could play at, you know, a clip of like 90 to 100 points throughout the entire season, then we're probably in the playoffs right now. You know, granted, we're probably, like, a wild card or a three seed at best. Uh, which, you know, given how St. Louis has been playing, it's probably not likely. We'd probably be a wild card team. We'd probably be bouncing the first round, uh, to be perfectly honest. But at least we'd make the playoffs. And some of those young guys, uh, which includes Jeremy Colleton, who don't have any playoff experience at the NHL level just yet, would, you know, they'd get that valuable experience, and they'd know what it's like to go to the spring dance. Um, but instead it looks like we're playing the lottery we're probably going to draft uh, we've got uh, our odds of drafting 10th overall are 60.5 our odds of landing in the 11th spot are 25.7 so it's probably going to be 10th or 11th unless we move up Um, actually let's see I'm going to check the mock draft here the mock draft has us drafting. Oh, good lord! This guy's from like Sweden or something. Uh, Victor Soderstrom. Soderstrom. Uh, he's a defenseman. Ugh, it's just what we need. Another defenseman. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's Swedish. Five eleven. and seventy-six pounds. Eighteen years old. Um. Yeah, hopefully the lottery is kind to us and uh, bumps us up into the top three there. <clears throat> I was talking about this with you earlier, but there's like this conspiracy theory almost, or just like this, I don't know, this fan fiction, whatever you want to call it, that the uh, the Vancouver Canucks end up winning the lottery and drafting Jack Hughes, and then he gets to join Quinn Hughes playing for the Canucks, and then the, uh, the Canucks' prophecy of always having twins playing, uh, or always having brothers playing, will be fulfilled.
1: Yeah, and we don't want that happening either, so.
0: If, all right, if I can be perfectly honest, I would rather see Jack Hughes go to Vancouver than going to Colorado because Vancouver's not in our division. That's true. I, uh, because, uh, Nashville's still good. Winnipeg's still good. If, I mean, uh, Colorado's, Arguably got the best line in hockey right now. And if they get Jack Hughes, who's, you know, an elite center, then maybe, maybe those top three spots are locked up for the next, you know, couple of years. And the Hawks are going to have to work pretty hard to crack that. But um, uh, we should, we should move on. I forgot to put the timestamps in. Uh, let's recap some of the games that have happened since uh, since we've been away. Um, sorry, I had to burp. <clears throat> There's another one. Um, the Hawks shut out the Canadians 2 nothing. Uh, in that game, Crawford stopped 48 shots, which actually set a personal and a franchise record for single-game saves. Uh, I think his previous one was 47. It's so only beat it by one. But uh, good for him. He's starting to look like the Crawford of old, which um, which bodes well for next season if the Hawks hope to be competitive. Then. Yeah, we need Crawford to be
1: at his absolute best because that defense could still need some work. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Then uh, you're
1: taking on another year of Keith and Seabrook, which are just
0: getting older and older and slower and slower. So. Yeah. Thank goodness for those movement those no movement clauses, right, Stan Bowman. Um, moving on, the Hawks lost 3-2 to in overtime to the Canucks. Uh, wasn't great, uh, but, you know, at least they walked away with a point in that one. They lost 3-1 to to the Flyers. I actually didn't watch this game. This was my first night in, uh, Denver, so we didn't get a chance to watch that one. Um, that was, uh, it, that was kind of where people started to get concerned, I think, that the offense was drying up. Um, I was at the game in Colorado against the Avalanche where the Hawks lost four to two. Um I think I think one of those goals one of those two goals was a power play goal. And I think the other one was maybe they were both power play goals. I don't remember. The other one was Gustafson, uh with a slapper from the point. Um that one was close but uh Crawford left and uh they they got the empty netter at the end there. Uh but actually I gotta say, I gotta say, I've been to that'll be my fourth NHL arena, and um of those four, I think the Pepsi Center is probably the nicest one I've seen. Hmm. Um like uh I I think I had this conversation with you before, but for the sake of the listeners, it's it's a little smaller. I think I would guess that the capacity is probably like uh Abe's gonna look it up right now. I guess probably like seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand um you got it um 18,007 18,007 all right yeah so so it's in the bottom (laughs) it's in the bottom of yeah NHL arenas it's it's kind of amazing the Hawks uh the United Center seats like 20,000 and change but it's remarkable how much bigger the United Center feels like you can you can really tell how much smaller the Pepsi Center is and then on top of that, the Pepsi Center has this massive scoreboard, which is really cool. Um, it's so loud in there. And even though even though the building was maybe like 70% full, it definitely felt louder than the United Center. Um, not only was it like 70% full, but maybe like 40 to 50% of the people in attendance were Hawks fans. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we travel really well. Also, I think that, uh, I think Colorado is a common destination for, uh, for Chicagoans who are sick of the cold. You know, like Chicago, uh, uh Denver, uh, or uh, excuse me, Colorado, Arizona, and Florida are probably like the big ones where, uh, former Chicagoans end up. Mm-hmm. At least I guess. But yeah, Pepsi Center, it's really nice. It's really clean. Uh, I, Definitely recommend seeing a game there. <clears throat> also, Colorado's beautiful. I highly recommend visiting there. Um, <clears throat> moving on, uh, the Hawks actually had a home-and-home home against the Avalanche. They won 2-1 in overtime at the United Center. Not the greatest results if you know they wanted to keep their playoff hopes alive, especially after losing three in a row. You definitely don't want... Uh, Colorado getting that loser point. So Colorado walked away from that weekend with three out of a possible four points, and we walked away with two of a possible four when we really needed to make up ground. So really didn't go very well for us. I think that loss in Denver is probably what's sealed our fate.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was saying they had to win both of them and not in overtime in order to... They'd win both to have
0: a chance. Yeah. Um <clears throat> So they lost one nothing to the Coyotes. Uh just couldn't get anything going that game. Um they beat the Sharks five to four last night because of course they fucking did. Two nights ago. Two nights ago, yes. Uh today is Saturday the thirtieth. Uh two nights ago. Um yeah, I don't know. The the offense showed up that night, I guess. And uh the defense did not. They gave up he gave up four goals that night. Uh, I mean, it's fine. I think I think a couple of those are power play goals. Um, and then tonight, the Hawks play the Kings. Um, we should beat them, but they beat us last time, so... You know what? I find that the trend with the Hawks lately is that they lose the big games, and then they play amazingly when the points don't matter. Uh, so they're probably going to win tonight. They're probably going to win, like... 5-1 to one or something. Hmm. Because, uh, of course they will. Now that they're basically out of it. And that there's, like, no stress and no pressure. Which, again, is another reason that I wanted them to make the playoffs. I wanted them to, like, to see, like, to remind them how good it feels to be in the playoffs. And then for those guys who haven't been in the playoffs yet, I don't want, you know, them to get acclimated to, to playing on that big stage. And, uh, you know. And get, triple overtimes. And triple overtimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Goddamn. <laughs> Remember that uh, that series in 2015 against Anaheim when Duncan Keith was playing, like, 30 minutes a night? Mm-hmm. It's a monster. No wonder he's, like, no, no wonder he's declining at age 35. Yeah, they've probably
1: played an equivalent of one or two seasons worth of playoff hockey.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, three cups is worth it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and a most likely guaranteed Hall of Fame spot, so... Oh, for sure. For sure. Probably have his numbers in the rafters, too. Yeah. Although, when you get into the conversation of whose numbers go into the rafters, it, like... Alright, so, like, Kane and Tate's for sure. Yes. Absolutely for sure. Keith, almost definitely. No, Keith, absolutely. Seabrook, I, and... All right, I'd say... Alright, alright, I agree with you. Keith... Keith, Kane, and Tate, absolute love. I feel, I feel... Yes, yeah. Yes. Yes. Kane and Taves. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'll agree with you. <laughs> um, and then you start asking, oh well, what, maybe Crawford should get in there, and you're like, oh well, Keith. Or, uh, excuse me. Uh, Seabrook was, you know, he's not much on a score sheet, and he, you know, declined pretty quickly. Uh, but he's, you know, he was the hero of that that 2013 Detroit series, and he's basically the co-captain, and he means a lot. To this team. So even if he's not like a future Hall of Famer. Like, maybe he deserves to have his number retired for that reason. But. Uh, and, and then it's like what about. What about like Jalmerson and Sharp. and uh, Hosa, Guys like Hosa. Hosa was an amazing player. And even though he had his best years in Ottawa. He was like. You could probably make an argument for retiring. Like all of the Magnificent Seven. The guys who were here for all three cups. But. Yeah, it gets a little complicated. Pro- probably just Kane Taves and uh, Keith. Keith.
1: Yeah, um, the other one I could possibly be see, see as a stretch too would be Johansson.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't see,
1: because he started his
0: career with the Hawks as well. So yeah, um, Kane Taves and Keith. Remember last year they did the I think it was last year maybe the season before they did the hundred the, the years and yeah. like the hundred greatest and uh, Kane. Taves and Keith made it. Did Crawford make it? No. Seabrook made it. No, he didn't. No? I thought no. he did. No, Seabrook was not one of the 100 best. Oh. I thought he was. Crawford might have been. Maybe I'm thinking... Maybe Crawford made the All-Star game that, that year. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Of. Abe's gonna look <laughs> it was It was last year, though.
1: I do remember that. Was it? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um Alright
1: uh, let's look up the Hawks <clears throat> Alright, Hawks players Um uh, Chelios Phil Esposito Tony Esposito, Glenn Hall Bobby Hall Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith Ted Lindsay, Stan Mikita Bobby Orr Jonathan Taves, Dennis Savard Yeah, no, no Seabrook
0: or Crawford? No, nope. Crawford wasn't. No, Crawford either. All right, so it was just the, the three, Kane, Taves, and uh, Keith, who are like active Blackhawks who made the top 100. Um, moving on, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that the, uh, the power play seems to have dried up a little bit lately. Um, since March 16th, which was the game against Montreal, the Hawks have gone three for 15, which uh Actually, that's, that's only like 20%, which is far better than the 11% the Hawks were at, like, going into December or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly 20%. Um, but, you know. Yeah, but it's not that 30% clip that we were going at. <laughs> yeah, there was like that 39.5% that we, we peaked at, um... I don't know. I, I, I've i been saying for a while that they were bound to regress for a while. Uh, because uh, you just can't maintain a 40% power play. It's it's not maintainable. Yeah. Um, especially since, like, even at 5-on-5, five five, a lot of the guys seem to have uh, uh, regressed a little bit. Like, Kane hasn't been Kane scoring played much. Kane lot since he was sitting at... He,
1: he sat at 99 points for, what, like, three games, I think, before he... Finally got his hundredth
0: point. Yeah, it's it's almost like the race against Kucherov for the heart, or excuse me, for the Art Ross was like fueling his production. And then once Kucherov pulled away and was like fifteen points ahead, that's and and when the street, when his streak streak ended, he like essentially just completely cooled off at that point. Yeah, I think when like the playoff hopes. Basically died, I think, was another point. Um, <clears throat> uh, Debrinkit was quiet for a little while. He did score two goals the other night, which got him to number 40. I didn't put that on the, uh, the thing here. But oh, yeah. uh, Debrinkit is uh, he's now at 40 goals in the season. Patrick Kane is at 41. It's the first time since the 91-92 season, I think, mm-hmm. when the Hawks have had two 40-goal, 40-goal. scores uh, in the same season. And Debrinket also became the youngest Black
1: Hawk in history to reach the forty-point mark.
0: Yeah, yeah. about out
1: know, Larmer, I think it was Steve Larmer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Debrinket's twenty-one in like a hundred days, and Larmer was like twenty-one in like two hundred and change. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And Kane and uh, Debrinket are both American, so oh yeah, USA. Well, Look out, Canada, we're coming for you. Uh, number seven? No, number four. number four. Why did I say seven? <laughs> Try and um, cut the podcast startly. That's right. Number seven. I'll just skip a bunch. Numbers. Uh, number four. I fucked up my timestamp. God, we're at twenty minutes already. Um, number four. Uh, Q spoke with the media. Uh, I'm gonna actually just read the quote, basically verbatim. Um. So Q said, quote, In our business, there's not too many surprises anymore. I was privileged to be in Chicago for 10 years. It's part of the business. I understand all that. I know when I exited other places, referring to St. Louis and Colorado, the bitterness, the animosity was at another level. Here the memories were so special and so good, and the people were so special to me and my family that it was tough. But I've got nothing but appreciation and admire all they've done to support our team and our experience in Chicago. Uh, unquote. <laughs> End quote. Uh Figures to Coach Again I don't think I meant to copy this. Uh Quinnbo Figures to Coach again and like will be likely will be the top candidate for any vacant NHL job. Uh actually, I'm just kinda cut that out. Uh when he was asked about coaching again, he said he is quote in no hurry and quote uh we'll see how things transpire in the off season. When asked about the Blackhawks, he said, quote, I try not to watch as many Blackhawks games ...as I used to, but I watch most of the games, Quindle said. Quote, it's been a great race, and it's been, it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. Uh, that was, I think, like a week ago before we had no prayer of making the playoffs. Um, so, maybe back then we had a, pl- a prayer of it. <clears throat> so, uh, clearly, no hard feelings from Q. He understands. He understands it's part of the business. Uh, great guy. Great coach. Future Hall of Famer, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting where he ends up coaching... We we did a predict, uh, a prediction episode a couple of months ago. hmm um, Maybe it was, like, back in November. It's more than a couple of months. God, time is racing. Yeah. We are We are sprinting towards death, my friend. <laughs> um, so maybe, like, next year or this off-season or whenever we find out where Q is coaching, we're going to go back and we're going to listen to that old episode and we're going to see how correct our predictions were. Also... Uh, once once the season is over and we've got nothing else to talk about, I kind of want to go back and listen to those old prediction threads, the, the the old prediction episodes we did at the beginning of last season and rate how correct we were. Yeah. Because that'll be funny. That'll be funny to Dad, see. Did
1: we really start this at the start of the NHL season? Uh
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It It might have been like a few games in or something, but... That's crazy. Yeah, I think it was... It was late this late September. Wow. It's been a while. It does not feel like it's been that long. No. That's crazy. No, we've only got like it's only like episode 16 or something like that. Well, we, we did every doing, other week. we doing every walk. other week for a while. Yeah, so. now we're doing every week. Uh except for this last week, because I was in Denver. Um. Number five or number twenty, whatever. <laughs> Uh number 5 Brendan Perlini earned NHL's second star of the week on March 18th. He scored 5 goals and racked up 7 points in the 3 games the Blackhawks played the prior week, 3 wins as part of the uh as part of that 5 game winning streak which is, you know, long since over. Perlini logged a hat trick his first of his career in the Hawks 7-1 win against the Arizona Coyotes, his former team. He followed that up with another 3-point effort in the 5-1 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. And scored a goal and the Hawks' two-to-nothing win over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it's it's funny that I put this in here because since then Perlini's actually disappeared. Uh, he's completely disappeared. Ten, uh, in tonight's game against the LA Kings, he's actually a healthy scratch. Um, when he's not producing, uh, Colton seems to become pretty critical of his overall game at both ends of the ice, and uh, it's you know it's not there most nights. Um, Or it could be better. Number six. Uh, The United Center is getting a new scoreboard for the 2019-2020 NBA and NHL seasons. The scoreboard will be the largest for any arena that hosts both an NBA and NHL team, with 8,600 square feet of displays. That's almost four times the video display area of the current scoreboard. It's customizable for basketball and hockey games, as well as concerts and other events. The scoreboard will have six movable panels. <clears throat> I find it weird how they qualified this as the largest for any arena that hosts both an NBA and NHL team. And then, like, didn't they also say also the highest quality s- display as well? Uh maybe. I don't uh, remember. But. they uh, the the Hawks <laughs> tweeted that it was something like uh, like the it was like the biggest scoreboard it was like the biggest center position scoreboard for any arena that hosts both an NBA and an NHL team, which is to say that it's not the biggest in the the league, but it's the biggest based on these arbitrary parameters. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Detroit slow is the biggest over in Little Caesars Arena. Yeah.
1: I'm What I'm hoping, and I hope it doesn't happen with it being such a big screen that in the NBA when they launch a like full court shot to try to beat the buzzer for like halftime or the hit the scoreboard the scoreboard oh my god
0: <laughs> that would be funny that's ridiculous um yeah so i'm pretty hyped for that i bet we're going to see it uh when we go to the training camp festival in september
1: ah uh, oh the one, the one thing i'm excited to see is those movable panel, panels the, the ones that just pop down when i guess it's going to be more of a thing for the hawks when
0: they score than anything yeah, from what I, it looked like, I I don't know how they'll be utilized, but I it, they look really cool. Um, and then in the the three D rendering that was posted on Twitter, they had uh, they had, like smoke coming out of it, which is cool because we didn't have that up to this point. Um, I didn't mention it here, but they're also getting a, an upgraded sound system. Uh, so the gold horns will be even more deafening. <laughs> uh, the gold horns, I don't know. After the Pepsi Center, I feel like the gold horns in the United Center are just like. They're just not up to snuff. Really? Yeah. Oh, like they're so loud, it was like, it was, like earth shaking. Like we got there and Mel, like my my wife has tinnitus and she, uh, she realized that she didn't bring her earplugs. Oh no. So she just like kind of resigned herself to the the fact that she was probably gonna have uh, ringing in her ears for the next couple of days. Uh, I don't think she did. I think I made her plug her ears, but. Um, <clears throat> Number seven. Fuck, I didn't put the timestamp in for the United Center. Whatever, I'll just put like twenty-five ish. Huh. <clears throat> uh, number seven, United Center to becomes first Chicago sport. What are you doing here, man? Abe type. Oh, to become. Oh
1: God. Okay. <laughs> So, the United Center is to become the first Chicago sports and entertainment venue to be certified sensory-inclusive. So, the United Center will provide sensory bags, which will contain noise-canceling headphones, fidget tools, verbal cue cards, and weighted lap pads for guests who may feel overwhelmed by the environment. Then, there's also a designated quiet room, which will be available to guests in Section 115. So, it's nice for just, for, like people that are on the spectrum um veterans with or just people with
0: ptsd in general so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool yeah i like it um i i mentioned to my wife that uh, since she does have tinnitus the noise canceling headphones might be good for her and then she thought that i was she thought calling that I was, her autistic that i was like making i was calling her autistic or something like that and it i don't know she's we have an interesting relationship she and i um so that's a really cool thing of the Hawks to do. I think you also mentioned that the uh the White Sox are going to have Yeah, the White Sox are also going to be the okay. guaranteed rate field is also going to be um they're going to have like a sensory a sensory room. room. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool that these uh Chicago sports venues are becoming more inclusive to people with uh sensory needs. Um we We haven't quite gotten to the discussion part, but we're at 30 minutes now. I think I am going to cut this. Uh, We're going to do an ad from the sponsor, and then we're going to do the remaining news items and then move into the discussion, because I don't think that the discussion items are going to take us 30 minutes. So we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody, we're back. Um, So we've got... Uh, we've got a couple more news items here. Let's get into it. Um, number eight, the Hawks will be playing an exhibition games against the, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation because I always do. we are going to be playing an exhibition game in Berlin against the Eisbären Berlin on September 29th. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if the Hawks have ever played uh, an exhibition game overseas prior to this. But, uh, this is, it's pretty cool. It goes along with, um, uh, they're going to open the season in Prague against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, how often do NHL teams play non-NHL teams? Honestly, this is the first
1: time I've ever heard of one, so...
0: Yeah, same for me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's weird. But, neat, I suppose. Um... Number nine uh the Blackhawks have signed Chad Chris to an entry level contract uh Chad chris was um Chad Chris is a defensive prospect uh he was selected i think in the second round in twenty sixteen He was taken shortly after Alex de um like fifty fourth overall or something like that I forget um so, uh he's yet another guy who's going to be competing for uh a spot on the roster in the next couple of seasons here. Um you can probably expect uh Ian Mitchell to sign with the Hawks uh in the next couple of weeks. He's probably going to sign after his season at Denver is over. Uh and they're in the playoffs right now. Uh so who knows, you know, how long they're going to go. Uh hopefully for a while. But um yeah, you can expect him to sign with the Hawks in the next couple of weeks, most likely to a three-year entry-level contract. I think dude's like 19, 20? Yeah, still pretty young. I forgot yeah. how old he was. Yeah. um, I don't remember if Chad Chris is a righty or a lefty. I also don't remember if Mitchell is a righty or a lefty. I think Mitchell's a righty. Or is well, he a lefty? Let's look it up. I don't know. All I know is that a lot of our uh, defensive prospects that we have right now are lefties. Nope, I lied. They're righties. So, Chad Chris is 21. Okay. Um, Come on. Pop-ups. If you Google Chad Chris shoots, it'll probably say it. left hand Shoots left-handed. He shoots lefty. All right. So, that's good. We do. Okay, he's 20. He's going to be 21. Okay. In 11 days. Uh what about Ian Mitchell? Is he righty? I think he's righty.
1: All right, Ian Mitchell is twenty. He shoots
0: righty. Alright. Yeah, so uh those two guys will probably see them at uh training camp uh Next year. Uh, actually, I'm I'm planning a trip to Traverse City in September where they're going to have the Prospects Tournament, so we'll probably see them there too. Oh
1: yeah, I might try to go with you guys since yeah, you I'm should. no longer going to the fucking X-ray program this year, yeah. which I'm still salty
0: about. But yeah, that's exactly. a different story. You'll you'll get it next year. Um. So yeah, uh, lots of defensemen in the system, which is why I. I really hope we draft a high-end forward this year, or we can
1: potentially bundle up defensive prospects for offensive prospects.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, there's uh, there's always a, a possibility that we could do that, um, especially since uh, we can just hoard the market with it, defensemen. <laughs> yeah, uh, like defensemen are they they come at such a premium, and they they take so long to develop. It's like if if you try to get one in free agent, like to th- like this the off season, basically the only high end defenseman you can sign is Eric Carlson, and he's probably gonna sign for like ten million or more. Yeah, he's gonna stay with San Jose most likely. You think so? I think so. I don't know, man. I kind of I kind of feel like San Jose is like in like a, like a copper bust season, because. Jumbo Joe is like a thousand. Uh Brent Burns, he's still good, but he's signed until he's like a thousand. <laughs> uh let's see. I I forget how old Pavelski is. Pavelski I think like, kind of up there too. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't feel I don't see them trending upwards after this season. All right, hot take, the Hawks sign him. <laughs> The Hawks sign? No. no. <laughs> if we sign Eric Carlson, we won't be able to sign uh, uh, Alex Debrinkett and Dylan Strome. True. Um, by the way, same same statement goes for uh, uh, Breadman, uh, Artemi Panarin. I know a lot of people want Panarin back, but if we sign him, he's going to cost like 10 $11, 12000000 million per season, and... We're not going to be able to afford... uh, uh, I I keep wanting to say Strowman for lean, but Strowman to bring it. Um. Well, if something were to happen to Brent Seabrook... (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to put a hit on Brent Seabrook. Um, uh, Number 10. This is the last news item. Uh, And... can't type. Uh, the Blackhawks have signed uh, Carl Dahlstrom. Carl Dahlstrom. I was trying to remember his first name. The Blackhawks have signed Dahlstrom to a two-year extension worth like eight hundred thousand and change. It's like eight eighty-five. It's like, like it's like, like two hundred thousand above the league minimum. So you know, basically nothing. Um, Low risk, high reward. Possible. <clears throat> yeah. Who knows? Who knows how he pans out? I, I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like even if he pans out to be like a three or a four, he's still only going to be, he'd still only be, like, the, like, the fifth or sixth best defenseman in our system, like, two years from now. And uh, we've got Keith and Seabrook, who are signed until they're a billion years old. So, uh, you know, he's either going to, he he's either going to, like, get demoted to the AHL and stay there forever, or we'll trade him for... Like a, a, a forward or something. I don't know. Which maybe what we should do.
1: Yeah, I mean, for the value, he, who knows? Maybe they sign such a cheap deal, they deal next year. Yeah.
0: Maybe what we should do is we should just, like, really focus on the development of all these young defensemen we have. And even if we come out with, like, a one, a two, uh, a couple of threes, and, like... A bunch of like fours or fives then we can we can trade those fours and fives for uh for uh forward prospects or forwards who are not prospects anymore all right so that does it for the news uh moving on to uh some discussion topics i have here <clears throat> uh so nick schmaltz was just signed to uh, a seven-year extension by the arizona coyotes Worth uh, an average annual value of five point eight five million dollars, um, what do you think about that? Is that high low i mean
1: if it was if the hawks had paid him that with and they hadn't traded him, I would think it, they would have greatly overpaid. Mm-hmm. but based on the glimpses of how well he was performing in Arizona. It might end up being a good deal if and, he, if he can keep up that
0: production and based on how well he performed with us last year um i I don't know why he couldn't quite make it work this year, but uh he he got like fifty four <clears throat> points or something like that last year if if he could you know achieve a consistent like sixty points per season kind of thing and if he could like dude's really got to work on his face offs. I don't know what his face-off percentage is right now, but when he left us, it was like 40%, which is not good enough for the guy who was supposed to be our future number one center. Yeah. You know, after Taze is long gone. <clears throat> yeah, I think for Smalls, it was
1: more of a confidence thing than anything. He just... There would be games where he'd be... Like, he could put together... String together a bunch of games where he'd be red-hot... But then he'd just completely cool off and disappear for a long periods of time. I think you're describing Alex DeBrinket. Well, yeah, but I felt like Schmaltz was the same way too. Yeah, he, he was streaky as well.
0: I don't know. Um, I I I feel like he he was better at being consistent. I I just I don't remember last year thinking it was remarkable how streaky he was. I I feel like being on a line with Patrick Kane for all of last year meant that he was getting fairly consistent production. And actually being on a line with Patrick Kane probably propped up his production a little bit. Because yeah. Kane is just one of those players who makes everyone around him play better. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of difficult to judge how much to pay a guy when he's playing on a line with Patrick Kane. Uh Which is probably why we signed uh, Artem Anisimov to, like, a $4.5 million per season extension. Because he was centering Kane and Panarin. Yeah. Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin, two of the best playmakers in the league. So, you know, of course, he's going to ride on the coattails there a little bit. He's going to get some assists and stuff. Yeah, Um, I mean, he had a really solid season as well, but... Granted, again, it's because he was in yeah. between the two of them. Yeah, and, and I don't mean to write off Artie completely. Like, he's he's been fine with us uh, since Panarin left. I just don't think that he's worth $4.5 million a year, I think. uh, He's, like, he can win, like, 45% of his face-offs or something like that, and he can score goals, and he can, you know... Uh, he's, a, he's a solid two-way player. He can, uh yeah he can he can play defensively and he can he can uh like you can put him on the power play and he'll get in front of the net and everything like that he's on a on a good team on a team like tampa he's like a third line center uh-huh. he's solid he's very solid but i think they overpaid him <clears throat> uh but after july first his no trade his modified no movement clause goes away completely. So the Hawks could trade him theoretically. They also give him a... What, a... A $5 million signing bonus or something like that? I th- yeah, something like that. So, uh technically... Uh, after that point, if they were to trade him, he would only be owed, like, $5 million in actual money for the next two seasons. So... If you were to trade him to a cap floor team, then they would be getting a bargain in terms of like actual cash paid. Yeah,
1: because the Hawks would have paid <laughs> his bonus, so they just have to pay whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: Bit of the contract, right?
0: Yeah. Maybe they send him back to the Rangers, because <laughs> cause they're rebuilding and he he played for the Rangers. I think he was drafted by the Rangers, right? I don't remember. I think he was drafted by the Rangers and then traded to Columbus and then. Yeah, traded the we from Columbus. I remember that. <clears throat> But, I don't know. Maybe that's something you can do. Anyway, the reason I brought up Schmaltz is, well, you know, partially because he's a very recent, uh, you know, he's very recently uh, uh, projected to be a, uh, a future uh, like key player for the Hawks, and, you know, now he's gone. Um, but, also because uh, I wanted to talk about the implications that this has on uh, Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrinkett's next contracts. So, Uh, Strom and DeBrinckit are currently making, like, uh, they're on their entry-level contracts still. So they're making under under a million dollars each. But after next season, they'll be owed new contracts. They'll be restricted free agents. Um, I think they can begin contract negotiations after July 1st. So... uh, uh, Scott Powers actually put out an article... Earlier today, it was like an hour after schmaltz got signed um and uh you should really go read it, but uh he he kind of projected what maybe Strom and DeBrinket could be making next season, not next season uh in their next contracts uh he now he predicted that um uh if they were both signed to six year deals, then DeBrinket would probably be making. Like seven to eight million, and then uh Strom assuming that now strom is a little tougher to predict because he was not very pro- he was not very productive with the coyotes, but he was almost a point per game player with the Hawks, so assuming that he he's like a like a point eight or point nine per like point per game player, then uh he'd probably be making like six and a half million per year. On a on a six-year deal. That's what Scott Powers predicted. Okay, um, so I, I have it pulled up right now.
1: So, in the 20 games that he played with Arizona before being traded to the Blackhawks, he had three goals and three assists for six points. And in the 53 games he's played since he's joined the Blackhawks, he has 14 goals and 31 assists for 45 points. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, he turned around pretty well with the
0: Hawks. So, assuming that assuming that uh, Strom's closer to the player he's been with us than he was with Arizona, uh, between Strom and Brinkett, we're probably going to need to save like uh, 13 to $15 million in cap space for the 2021 season.
1: Alright, I'm going to throw a number out there and... Tell me what you think. First drone. I don't think he would get six years. Nope. I think he would get four. Okay. Four years at... Four and a half. Okay.
0: Four and a half, four point seven five. 4.75. I could see it. I could see... So, Bowman doesn't exactly have a history of being, like, a really aggressive negotiator. Just look at that fucking Brent Seabrook contract. Um... But let's let's say that that Bowman has come to his senses and he's you know decided that he's not going to be fiscally irresponsible. Uh, you could you could probably imagine that he'll go to Strom and say like, Hey, you you know you've been really good this season, so we're going to pay you. But we also kind of want you to prove that you can be this player moving forward, and that this season wasn't just you know an anomaly. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he does get like a two, three, four year extension at I don't know, four, five, six million dollars. And then after that, they're like, All right, you know, you've you've really proven that you can be like a sixty, seventy point uh per season player. We're gonna give you we're gonna give you that big contract that you've earned. So he's
1: not due for a contract until the end of next season, right? Yes. Okay, so the other thing I think would, which could be reasonable, is next season he plays out his contract and the Hawks give him a one year deal. Okay, probably two years would be a better idea. So that way they can see how well he produces next year, give him a decent contract for those two years. Like I said, like four and a half, five million. And see if he's worth after those two years for a bigger pay raise, because he's he'll still be fairly young. Where they can get him a long term contract.
0: If he pans out the way they want him to. Maybe. I don't I don't know that I could see I don't know that I could see the Blackhawks doing that. Maybe Strom's camp agrees to that because they're they're confident that he really can be like a like an almost point per game player. Which you know would earn him a big contract down the road, but maybe what Stan Bowman decides to do is give him like, like, a pretty decent length on his contract, but and like a pretty you know a pretty decent payday too, without quite getting into Alex DeBrinkett territory. Uh, just like the reason being that like, if you have that term, uh, if you have that term and he really does pan out, then you get this guy for, you know, you're basically undervaluing him Mm -hmm. and, uh, you're, you're getting a bargain on that. But, uh, at the same time, you know, Bowman could theoretically also come back and say like, Hey, you've played well in the like 40 or 50 games that you were with the Hawks, but. We need to know that you're going to be consistent because, like, you know, like Schmaltz, he had like a 50 plus point season last year, and then he just couldn't put his game together this year. So, uh, you know, maybe they. I don't know. I, I actually feel like the most likely scenario is that both Debrinket and Strom. No, I take that back. I think they'll try to lock up Debrinket as quickly as possible. Yes. I agree. Like I could I, I could see Debrinkit signing in July. Yep, I, I could see it this offseason, too. Like uh, a six, seven-year deal. The, yeah, six or seven for probably like $8 million. Maybe more.
1: Maybe even less. Maybe even Bowman can pull off some magic and get him like seven, <clears throat> seven and a
0: half. Maybe. I... Because it, it really behooves Debrinkit's camp... To, like, you know, they want to give him as much money as possible now. But they also know that, you know, like, he's... He's he's in his prime. He's, he's only going to get better at this point. He's not in his prime, which is a scary thing. I mean, he's... He's 21. He's not in his prime yet. I mean, I guess. Maybe his prime is, like, similar production but more consistent. I don't know. Um, but I just... It's hard to see him getting, like, 50 goals a season or something like that for extended periods of time. Like, uh, I mean,
1: look at how bad the team has I mean, been. I, and look at how many goals he has. I, I hope it happens. I mean, I could honestly see him putting up Ovechkin <clears throat> goal
0: numbers. That would be awesome. If he could <laughs> compete for the Rocket Richard, like, every year. Uh, but the point I was trying to make is that um, I think... I think it behooves uh, DeBrinket's camp to make sure that his uh, his bridge deal ends like while he's in his prime, so that he can like demonstrate his value. But he's still got some good years ahead of him, so they can say we want as much money and as much term as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, it makes sense for the Blackhawks to get as long of a contract as possible, but, like, keep that average annual value down low so that they've got a deal... With the cap. With the cap. And, you know, the Hawks are a big market team. They would probably be more than happy to give them, like, $15 million a year if they could, but... but that damn cap is with, not too big. Yeah, the, the cap's not going to let that happen. And Brent Seabrook. <laughs> but know, um, the the cap is, you know, since... Since Seabrook signed that extension, I think the cap has gone up by like more than Seabrook's average annual value, so he's becoming less of an albatross in cap terms over time. I mean, he's still he still can't really play him above the the bottom three or the the bottom pairing, but you know it is what it is. Um, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say the other thing I can see the
1: Hawks doing is they offer him they offer to it an extension this summer, to it can turn it down saying, I want more money and next season will show if he's if he's worth whatever number he wants, if he has a number in mind. Yeah. Or he decides to agree to a decent term contract this summer and play it out, and then demand a bigger one once that contract is up. Yeah. Um, now, refresh my memory though. Did um did Dylan Larkin or Larkin
0: Larkin, Larkin, Larkin signed in? his extension last summer. Okay. Uh, and Larkin was expected to make a similar. He's expected to get a similar contract to um, Schmaltz, which is why I looked at Larkin's contract extension with great interest. Um, How much did he get? Do you remember? I think he got more than Schmaltz. I think he got uh, what was it? It was like six over six or something like that. Um. Yeah, five year, thirty
1: point five million.
0: So yeah,
1: five at about six
0: million. Yeah, so about six over five. That's a that's a decent bridge deal. He's like honestly, the the Red Wings will probably make Larkin captain at some point, and then he'll. He'll probably make like, you know, like uh ten million or more in his his uh his UFA deal.
1: Yeah, so Larkin by the time his contract expires he'll probably be on twenty seven twenty eight. Yeah. So yeah, he'd probably be ready for a big contract at that point. Depending yeah. Depending on if he pans out or not,
0: obviously. We'll we'll see if Schmaltz can can approach uh Larkin's numbers because, I don't know, uh, Schmaltz. He he seems a little bit like a poor man still in Larkin. Uh, it it unless I don't know unless he can repeat the success that he had. Well, no, he'd have to eclipse the success that he had last season. He'd need that that same production or better, plus better faceoff numbers, plus you know probably some defense on top of that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, Strom and Dabrinkit. I don't know. So, I said that I could see the Hawks signing Dabrinkit right away, but they've also been known to be pretty patient when re-signing guys. hmm So, I don't know. I could also see him re-sign mid-season. Now, the other one
1: that I'm thinking about, too, is, wh- what about Kajula? Uh... I don't know, he'll... I mean, he's signed until next season, but...
0: Let me look up, uh... He has a a 1.5 million cap hit right now. 1.5, he's 24... Um... Let me check his stats. 21 games played with the Hawks, he has 7 points. Um... Eleven points in twenty nine games with the Oilers. Uh I mean, he's okay. I could if the Hawks extend him, I, I he'd probably make about what he's making now. But he's also like if the Hawks have some more productive forwards uh coming up who, you know, need a spot on the roster, I could see him being, you know, pretty expendable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's he's one of those guys who can play up and down the lineup, even if he's not going to produce very yeah. much. Like he
1: wasn't really productive. He hasn't really been productive. Like the numbers don't really show much with the Hawks, but he's been all around. Like his he mm-hmm. played fairly well in pretty much most of the games since he came over to the Hawks.
0: Yeah, he's he's one of those guys like Dominic Cahoon who doesn't really show up much on the score sheet, but damn it, wife. She's was supposed to pick up soda, but I was too late texting it back, so she didn't know. Um, I'll have to go get some. Uh, Yeah, he's like, it's like Cahun. Like, he, he does productive things when he's on the ice, but he doesn't really produce that much. Right. Which is, you know, kind of why he's one of those guys who you can throw him out on the third line, or you can throw him out on the first line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good for, like, what, he's good for, um, for
1: checking and stuff like that. He. yeah. Uh, was it Cajun? He's a a center. I mean, how... I'm trying to see what his face-off percentage was, but I don't see it. Uh,
0: Kajula? Yeah. Uh, I don't see it either. I'd have to go to, like, hockey reference or something. I I can't imagine it's astounding. If If it's north of 45%, I'd be impressed. Um, I think, uh... Would you ever bring Kruger back um, for like a million dollars for like a year or two years? Yeah, I mean he hasn't really been much of a. I think I think David Kampf is like the guy that they're eyeing to take over, like to. David Kampf is like he's the same kind of player as uh, Kruger is, mm-hmm. but obviously he's younger. You know he can win faceoffs. He's a good like. You know, he plays that, like, fourth-line <laughs> grinder role really well. All right, I found it. Defensive. So, Kajula's face-off
1: percentage with the Hawks is 46.2%. Wow. With so ed- it is north with, of 45. With Edmonton, he was at 26.7. Christ.
0: <laughs> wow. How many games is that? Uh, 21 games 21 with the Hawks. Games. So it's a decent sample size. Mm-hmm. Wow, 46%. Yeah, like, that's decent. That's, like, what Artie does. Artie's, like, 40 to... Like, 45 to 50% on his face-offs. Um, he had 51 hits, too. Hmm. So, yeah, I'd maybe bring Kajula back, you know, to, like, help fill out the roster and stuff, but... Yeah,
1: if, if anything, at most, maybe, like, two, two, two and a <laughs> half.
0: I I would define guys like... Kajula and Cahun as you know replacement level players. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like I would define Cam Ward as a replacement level goaltender. You know, just like basically average, not astonishing, but not a liability. Um, so we're at half an hour since I, uh, the the last recording here. I've got one more discussion topic, but it's I don't really. I wanted to talk about how the defense has improved under Colleton, but I I get the feeling that I'd mostly just be reciting statistics, which isn't really that (laughs) boring. Yeah. So we'll probably just scratch that one for now. Suffice to say that, like, you guys have seen the scores over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Outside of a couple of, like, big tilts, there's, you know, the Hawks have only given up. The the Hawks probably have, like, a one to two uh, over the past, like, Let's say like five, six, seven games. The Hawks have probably given up an average of like about one and a half even strength goals.
1: Okay, so I'm reading. I'm just skimming through through this article real quick, and it's just talking about the last four games,
0: really. Yeah, and that was that was a couple of games ago. This is the article came out last week. Uh, is this NBC from, Sports? This is from five days
1: ago. So this was prior to the San Jose.
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost a week old. San Jose and Arizona game? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Sounds like my wife is home. My dog is barking. i got to feed him soon. He's getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. We're having a lotte pizza today, apparently. I just found out. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, did you know we're having a game night tonight, too? <laughs> I did. I, I was aware of that. That's all I knew, though. I didn't even know that Ashley and Ryan were coming over. Yeah, that was the last second thing. Um, yeah. Lots of things I don't know. Um, like Jon Snow. That's right. Okay. Uh, with all that, we're going to leave you guys. Uh, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please, uh, please subs- like and subscribe. We uh, Please, re- fuck, I got to figure out, like, a, a a thing to do at the end. Because I always just kind of make it up and it's just a fucking shit show at the end. Um, and now you have to send Now you have to add the mature rating to it <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta add the um i i don't know what the threshold is between like the explicit like when i gotta put explicit on it but we've dropped a couple of f-bombs in this episode um and, uh so i that's that's probably going to affect who wants to like advertise with us and things like that so um i hope you guys appreciate that you're getting f-bombs instead of ads Yeah, fuck them if they don't want to sponsor us. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I was going to say, please rate us on iTunes. uh, Rate us on Google Play if you can do that. I don't even know if you can do that. But um, yeah, rate us on all the free feeds. Um, Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, Go Hawks. Bye. Bye.